Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Emerge Woman Magazine podcast, where we keep it real, relevant, and relatable for today's woman. I'm your host, Kiana Cressman, founder of Emerge Woman Magazine, and we are so excited to welcome our amazing guest, Mrs. Andrea Haynes, to today's episode. Welcome, Mrs. Haynes. Hello. Thank you for this opportunity. I am super excited about this interview, as you can tell. So uh, I'm looking forward uh, to speaking with you and knocking this interview out the park. Awesome, which we know you will. And today, ladies, we're going to discuss women making a difference and highlight Haynes Healing of Hearts Incorporated, a nonprofit organization with its founder and our guest today, Mrs. Andrea Haynes. So I'm just going to share some details about Mrs. Haynes. Serving as the Vice President for the United Nations Women's Chapter in Houston, Texas, Andrea Haynes has dedicated her life to the empowerment of individuals around the world with a special focus on the problems and concerns of women and girls. Being a domestic violence survivor herself, she has also undergone the mission of bridging the gap between abusers and victims of domestic violence to bring healing and restoration to family units. Her foundation, Healing Hangs of Hearts Incorporated, has touched the lives of women and men across the country and continues to serve as a beacon of hope for those affected by family violence. Andrea is much more than a mother, a minister, a wife, and multimillionaire business partner to the global ambassador, Mr. Edwin Haynes. She is an individual with the goal of making this world better by her example and affecting the lives of others with her leadership and leaving a legacy on this earth of love and empowerment. So we want to welcome you again, Mrs. Haynes, and thank you so much for your time and being on the show with us today. It is my pleasure. It's an honor. Absolutely. So please tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and how you founded Haynes Healing of Hearts Incorporated. Well, in case you haven't noticed, I am a little country girl from Greenville, Mississippi. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You can tell by my southern accent who uh, have recently, you know, not recently, but I've been uh, in Houston, Texas for the past almost 15 years now. This will be my 15th year here. But I grew okay. up in a little small town uh, in Greenville, Mississippi, which is where um, my life, you know, just took root there. Uh, yes. Grew up with a, in a normal environment. Uh, parents divorced when I was five. So I, came, I was raised by a single mother. My father was somewhat present, um, you know, during that time, but mainly my mother was the primary caregiver for me and my sister. And Mm -hmm. I ended up uh, in a situation that I thought I'd never be. I ended up in a marriage that was very abusive. And I had no idea of how, how I was going to get out. I definitely didn't think I would get out with my life because it was Mm -hmm. just that violent. And the fact that I am here today to be able to share this testimony is just a testament of God's uh, grace and his mercy. So from that situation, uh, Haynes Hill of Hearts was found. Uh, Once I remarried and moved to Houston, Texas, I realized that my story and the fact that God spared my life, it, it, it required something of me. I could no longer be silent about my past, about what had happened. I had to share that testimony testimony, if for nothing else, 
just to share that how good and how powerful and how awesome our God is because I took a gunshot wound to the face close range, and I I survived. He defeated death on my behalf, and not only did I survive, but I believe that God restored me back even better than I was prior to. And only God can do that. And looking at your beautiful face, not that it's about just the outward appearance, but I would never in a million years even think, (laughs) you know, from the inside out. (laughs) I always get that. Everybody is always shocked when I give them that, uh, you know, that testimony. You were shot where? And I, I took a yes. I, mean, I took a gunshot wound to the face and say, but it's amazing when God has his hand on your life, how he mm. prevents and how he shields you from things. Because I didn't have any plastic surgery and other than the scar that's on my neck from the trait that they had to give me, which was only supposed to be a little scratch. That is the only physical sign on me that you know that I've gone through anything. And no plastic surgery? None. Absolutely none. Oh, my gosh. That's totally supernatural. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so you pretty much answered uh, my next question, which is, was there a specific moment in time, like where you at a coffee shop, where you at a church service, where you at a business meeting, that you recall being inspired that, you know what, I need to launch this nonprofit, or that, you know, you knew it was part of your calling? And please also share any statistics about domestic violence that, you know, for listeners who most people know about it, but they don't know some of the most recent statistics and all of those things. Absolutely. I remember the exact moment because I had ran from it for two years. Wow. Because I didn't think <laughs> that, that, that I, could, I, I could handle what he was asking me to do. And hmm. being that I never – never thought of ministering to anybody. I never thought of myself as being called or anointed or any of those things. I just considered myself uh, a small country girl who just had big dreams and goals. So when God began to start expressing to an impression upon me that I have a greater work for you, I just thought I was already working uh, from home with my husband in a successful home-based business. So I thought that he meant just continuing what I was doing, and he was just going to expand that, and that was going to continue to multiply and grow. And so I ran from it initially because after he made it clear that that wasn't what he was talking about, I kind (laughs) of had a conversation of negotiation (laughs) with God. And I said, well, give me just a little bit more time. Because when you're in, in, in the world, and not that I was doing things that were bad, but I knew that some of the things that I was doing, I knew that it required me to make some changes. And at that yes. time, I was not ready to make those changes. I had mm. just gotten remarried. I had moved from Greenville to Houston. I was living my best life. I was traveling all <laughs> over the world doing what I wanted to do. And I just didn't know what it was going to cost me. But I knew it was going to cost me something that my life would never be the same. So I kind mm. of negotiated, just give me a little bit more time. And he did. He actually gave me two years. Upon that two-year anniversary, he came back and said, now it's time. Again, Ooh. I'm thinking, Lord, can I have a little bit more time? <laughs> and he, never, he never answered. What happened mm. after that? Chaos. My life began to start taking a turn. The company that we had been with and had been, had, was making uh, multiple five figures a month on, all, all of a sudden they decided to change some things. So here, here comes the shift. 
things started to change. But the change, changes that they were going to make would have benefited us, would have meant that my, our monthly income would have doubled, but our team wow. would have diminished. And we were not willing to sacrifice our personal gain at the expense of our organization. So we had to mm. make a decision because they were adamant about making the change. We can stay here and our people suffer and we win, or we can walk away and build what we built before, build it again. And so we made that decision to walk away from our income uh, and build it again. And what we should have been entitled to for the residual that we had stored up, they decided that they weren't going to pay us because we weren't there. So we were left with just going wow. through the savings and starting over. And so in that midst of that journey of starting over in this in the finances dwindling, savings dwindling, and we were left with nothing, and the opportunity that we chose could not support our international market. So now God has my attention. He has my full attention at this point. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in my prayer room, and I'm saying, God, how did we get here? And we've done things that you've asked us. We've done everything right. We've served people. We've sown into ministries. You know, we've helped people, thousands of people across the world. How did I get here? What are you saying? What am I missing? And at that moment, that's when he reminded me of the conversation when I asked for more time. He said, there's work for you to do, and there's a calling on your life. I didn't save you just to continue to do what you're doing. I saved you to proclaim the gospel. And so here I am just, I'm frightened. I, and I'm, wow. and I'm, I'm having this conversation with God that, are you, are you, is this really what you're saying to me? Because I think you may have the wrong Andrea. There are a lot of them in the world, and I don't think you're talking about me. And he began to, to explain to me to let me know that, no, he had the right one. And so I began to think about, okay, well, how am I going to break this to my family? I mean, this is not what, they, what anybody signed up for. I don't even know where this journey is going to take me, but I do know that a, that a drastic change is about to take place. And so I can remember just being so fearful of talking to my husband about it, irrationally with it for three days. And on that third day, I said, I'm tired of worrying with it. I'm tired of crying in my sleep about it. Let me just go ahead and tell him what God has told me. And when I, when I shared that with him, he said, I knew that. And I thought at that moment, well, why didn't you, why didn't you share that with me? Said, wow. That was for God to share that with you and for you to figure out when it was time for you to do what you need to do. He said, but I'm perfectly okay with it. And I began, I began that, that journey, and he gave me healing of heart. Well, Healing of Hearts was another organization or multiple organizations for different things. I think it was a, a, some type of foundation for a heart patients. So right. I had to put pain Healing of Hearts in order to keep the name that, that God had given me. And it has really lived up to its name because that's primarily uh, my, my, my goal and my objective is to heal the individual's heart because we come as broken pieces, whether it's domestic violence, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a lost friendship. We all at some point in our life have had a broken heart that needs to be healed. And how we Amen. navigate through yes. that determines what happens and, and how productive we are and effective we are in life. So it has really been an honor and a blessing to serve the individuals that I have with that, because when we look at statistics, we don't realize just just how how awful the situation is. Because if it hasn't hit you or someone in your family or a friendship, you don't really think much about it. But just when you think of one out of every three women has Ooh, experienced oh some goodness. form of domestic violence, mm, that means mm, that there mm. are three of us in the room. One of us have experienced it, and more more likely than not. There is, you, I would rather say two out of three 
because every day I am faced with, with that reality. And it's not the normal. It's not the ones that you think that, you know, the low economic areas. It affects everybody. No one mm. is excluded. My organization was started actually for the perpetrator because I believe that unless we deal with the ones who are doing the abuse, then we're not going to be able to solve the issue because that is where our challenges lie, not with the victims. We have all type of support uh, for the victims, all type of resources, but we don't have many resources allocated for the perpetrator. And that's where our conversations need to be in this season going forward. Let's mm. find out what can we do before things escalate to a shooting incident or a stabbing incident. What can we do to help that individual? Because you, you have all types of reasons why they're feeling the way that they're feeling, and a lot of times it's due to undiagnosed mental illnesses, which is wow. a great topic for us to discuss now. So we have to really um, regroup and address why are we still having such an epidemic with this situation and why does it seem like it's increasing? You have over 5 million children a year who have had to deal with a, a domestic violence situation at home, which is alarming because statistics show that when you have experienced such, you're either going to be an abuser or mm. you're going mm, you're mm, subject mm. to being abused. So, which is why it's so important for uh, when our children are are faced with this that they seek counseling. After my incident, at the time, I was working for the United States Postal Service as a supervisor, and we had a program uh, that provided free counseling um, for me and for my kids. And afterwards, Wonderful. after the incident happened, they did. They went to counseling. Even an organization there that was uh, for domestic violence uh, families and survivors, they even offered to uh, offer counseling, and I allowed them to go uh, there as well. And they turned out fine because – it didn't affect them in the way that I think the counselors thought because they never really saw it. There was only one time that my daughter saw it, and that was the day that I decided I was going to leave because I had been dealing with the abuse for over a year uh, without anyone knowing. But that particular wow. day, it escalated in front of them, and I just knew I could not set that as an example for them of a healthy marriage. And I left. I left for work that next morning dropped them off at daycare, and I never returned back to that home. And so it's a, it's, it's, we really have to think about the effect that it's going to have on the children and those around us. But we can't allow the effect that we think it's going, it's going to have on them to make us stay in that relationship. You have to get out. There is, there is no uh, exit <laughs> other than mm. someone's life or something tragic, tragically happening because you have to have intervention. You're going to have to have a third party to help you process or help that person process. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I so angry with you to the point that I want to hurt you? Normally, it's not even about the situation at hand that you're arguing about. It's something deeper rooted than that. And a counselor can help you process that. And sometimes, um, you know, the marriage can be can be restored. I have had a situation where it was restored after that once we, you know, went through the counseling process and got to the root of the matter. Amazing. But you definitely will need a third party. Amazing. Wow. And those statistics are staggering. Oh, my goodness. So um, 
I just feel led to share, if anyone is listening to our listeners and you know someone uh, or you um, need information on uh, how to contact just the general domestic violence hotline, I do want to share that there was uh, an experience of one of our readers who experienced it, and we were able to connect her with some resources um, that could support her in her area. So this is just much more than a publication, ladies. We're not sharing stories just to beat the wind. We want to be solutions and and, and extend God's hands in people's lives. So um, Mrs. Haynes, can you just share with us, is there a 1-800 number or a hotline that individuals can call because uh, we have listeners from all across the country if they need um, help where domestic violence is concerned. 911 is what we always use um, mm. to call because normally in a situation when you have gotten to the point you need to talk to someone, it's an emergency. And they can direct gotcha. you and get you the help that you, um, you know, that you need because most women don't seek help until it's almost too late. They've already endured months, if not years, of abuse. But also my organization, I mean, they can go to on social media, Haynes Healing of Hearts. I have a website, HaynesHealingHearts.org, any of my social media outlets. And I am, you know, I am more than happy um, to find uh, resources and places available in their area because most of the time, even with myself, I went to counseling because my job offered it before it escalated today. I went to marriage counseling. We went to two sessions. The first session was very, very tough. The second one, he left five minutes after the session started, and I can remember the counselor saying, I don't think that this is going to work. Uh, this marriage is going to work because he's not willing to listen and hear you and to really deal with the issues at hand. So I'm saying that to say that, you have to be able to talk to someone. And I know that you may be afraid. I know that the threats are flying all over the place every day, but you have, you have got to find somebody that you feel comfortable enough to talk with, to share. And with my organization, normally I don't just pull a family out of the home immediately. I normally come up with a strategy because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's dangerous to just pull a family out immediately. I was just reading an um, a article from one of the uh, organizations that's in Dallas, a young, uh, young lady, Women Call Moses, who she and I, uh, you know, have met on different projects over the past yes. few years. And there was someone there, uh, family members or whoever went over to help the young lady move. Well, the husband was there and decided that, no, she's not going to leave. So he ended up killing her wounding them, mm. and he oh ended up, you know, turning the gun on himself. So which is why you have to be very calculated when you're talking about exiting something. And there's a lot of different things. It's just too much to share here. But there is a whole process that I talk with that individual through to find out the level of threat, what is the best way to look at it, and the type of individual that we're dealing with so that we'll know how to safely move them out of the home so that there aren't any fatalities is the best we can see. Wow, and thank you. And the message we want you to get that is so, so needed, thank you for that information, Mrs. Haynes, is that you're not alone, ladies, and there is hope 
and help. So, you know, please take advantage of the resources that we shared uh, and reach out to Mrs. Andrea Haynes uh, because you will definitely get, get the support that you need or connect it to uh, where you can get help. But there is hope. You're not alone. Um, and so we're just so excited to be able to share this platform to offer that hope to women. And so we are so thrilled that you are featured in our most recent issue of Emerge Woman Magazine. Ladies, you've got to get the issue. You'll hear her full story and so many other things that, um, you know, we may not get to talk about on the call today, on the episode today, but please briefly walk us through how a woman can rise after trauma or a, a devastating circumstance. And like you mentioned, it's not necessarily always just a domestic violence situation that can wound hearts and, you know, hurt people, but how can a woman kind of begin rising after that? And especially since there's been an increase in suicide and men, women, and children, you know, some of the things yes. I'm seeing. <clears throat> it's, it's just so it's just so saddening. The first thing that I would say, find you a trusted individual. Sometimes mm. that's hard when we've been in an abusive situation because we of don't course. know who to trust because the perpetrator has filled us up with so much fear that we are afraid to speak a word of this situation to anyone. We don't know who to trust. And most of the time, anybody that we did trust and that they knew that we trusted, they w they've already just diminished their character and, and whatever it is that, you know, that, that they think about them to make you doubt that this person is for you. But find right. someone that you can trust and that you can confide in. With me, I'm, very, I'm a very confidential person. And normally, I, I cater to a lot of people who you'd be surprised who are very prominent in the community, very prominent in ministry, and they're going through this this silent abuse at home that they don't because they don't know who to talk to, who to trust, who to mm. turn to. They don't know if it's going to make the news tomorrow. They don't know if it's going to be chatter in the gossip columns or someplace. So find an individual that you can trust first of all. That way you can be your authentic self and release those things and that trauma that you're dealing with because the only way that we can, we can heal, we have to be able to admit and own and acknowledge what we're going through so that yes. we can finally come up with a strategy for our healing. But if we continue to conceal and cover up, we'll never heal hiding from our, uh, our wound or hiding from our trauma. We've got to own mm -hmm. that. Yes, I was physically abused every other day. Yes, I had a black eye. I had to wear makeup to cover it up. Yes, my self-esteem was so low because every day I had to deal with hearing words of what I wasn't, who I wasn't, being called out of my name. It was nothing that I could do to make him change uh, and see me any differently. That was already embedded in his mind. But that is not the end of the story. That wasn't the truth. That may have been his truth, but that wasn't the truth. So we have to begin wow. to break down. How do we get here? For me, I had to go back. And this is what I do with every individual that comes to me for coaching or counseling. We take a journey back into childhood because that's actually where it starts. That's yes. where it started for me. I didn't have a father figure in my life, so I had daddy issues. Those, the fact that I didn't have a father in my life to be able to affirm me and to be able to articulate what I was and who I was, I allowed a man to dictate who and what I was. Well, mm. over years of, it, of, of that, from relationship after relationship, you begin to, you don't know who you are. You have right, an identity exactly. issue. 
So, so true. we have to go back to that and find out where what how how did we get here? Because we didn't just get here because we're in this particular relationship. This started long before. And so as we begin to take that journey backwards and we begin to bring it up full speed to where they are now, they are able to grasp that, understand it, heal, realize the things that their contribution to it, whether it was just allowing someone to talk to you inappropriately, whether it was allowing even not just relationships but friendships. Some of us have allowed jealous friends to dictate who we are and who we aren't. And then mm-hmm. now, it, so it's it's so common because these are our friends, and we've been friends with them for years, and they we we know that they love us. So it's easy when a guy comes along and says something that your friend has said, you it, you become numb to it. It's normal. Oh, it's normal for me to hear that you're not this. Oh, you don't look good in that. Oh, you you don't look good with short hair. You need your hair long again. And then mm-hmm. we begin. It's a pattern now. We're looking for validation from the wrong people. We were already validated when we were created. Wow. So it's, so it's those types of things we have to walk through, and we have to walk through them in a way with adults so that especially those who have kids or when they have kids, you'll know the right words to speak to them. You'll know what you need to be to them in order for them to grow up and be productive uh, adults. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for walking us through that. And so you obviously, as you just walked us through that, have a successful coaching practice as a life strategist. So could you just share with us um, how how you would uh, coach a woman who has low or damaged a damaged sense of self-worth? Because a lot of times we hide it through charisma, through um, you know, we might have good business skills or savvy. There's a lot of ways we can hide and then you know, um, try to use our do, like all the titles that we wear and all of those things to validate us. So how would you, you know, just in the beginning, start walking a woman through building up her self-worth? This is going to sound so simple. <laughs> and it just you, when you hear it, you'll be like, that's it? There are two <laughs> questions that I start off asking. And, this, and, and, and uh, as simple as these questions are, they will leave the most talkative person speechless if they are struggling with low self-worth. Wow. Do you love yourself? Mm. They'll mm. think for a minute. If wow. they're very, you know, if they're very, uh, a very strong-willed woman, they'll say, of course I do. How do you show yourself love? That's where, wow. that's where, that's where the room is, is silent. Ooh, How do that I is heavy. I believe, I believe that when that question is asked, I believe that the 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 footage is rolling of everything that shows them a demonstration of how little they love themselves. At that moment, the tears begin to fall, and so I'm challenged with: Do I use A, B, or C strategy? Because it's based on the individual as yes. to how, how damaging that is. Because you never want to press and press a person until it makes them feel worse than what they already feel. Of course. So most Absolutely. of the time I have to go ahead and, and just based on, if it's an initial conversation, just based on what I loved seeing, seeing on them or what I loved about them in just my initial meeting. Just from that first conversation, I have to be able to discern that, to give them some affirmations that they can hold on to that is true and that they can say, well, wow, I didn't know that about me. Mm-hmm. Because most people don't. They don't That's know. That's so true. They don't know how to talk about themselves in a, in a positive light. 
that's when you know that I have an issue if I cannot say that I'm good at this, I'm good at that, I like this about me, I like that about me, because most people start their conversations. Well, I don't like my legs. Well, I think I'm too... I, I'm not. Uh, I'm too. I'm not thin enough. Or mm. you know, I, I wish that my hair was more curly. I wish that I was taller. We always want to talk about the things that we're not and that we wish we were. Most women who struggle with low self worth never ever start a conversation with what they like about themselves. Wow. So it's our job to show them all the things that they have going for themselves, all the beautiful things, their personality, their, the, the work or whatever that they've done, how they look. We have to be able to uh, share that with them and reaffirm them until they've gotten to the point that they love everything about them, even their flaws. Wow, now that's transformational work right there. Just the question alone, my heart, my mind went to, wow, how do I love myself? <laughs> that is a powerful question. And after this episode, I'm going to have some journal time. <laughs> you are amazing and anointed by God at what you do. So thank you. That is powerful. Wow. So can you share with us some of the amazing impact that you've had with uh, those that you served? Uh, by way of Haynes Healing Hearts, and general references can be made, obviously, to respect the privacy of individuals, but we just want to hear some of the, you know, the happy, um, you know, positive outcomes that may have happened as a result of women being served. There are two particular situations that come to mind, and one is of a young lady um, who was referred to me in the very beginning of my ministry and starting with this foundation, and and, and it was my... uh, uh, ex-brother-in-law. He just really believed in the work that I was doing, even even though at that time, I didn't know how effective I was being. I was just doing what God <laughs> told me to do, and I was just, you know, you know you're know, just this wild child on steroids for, for the Lord. You're just, you're just going. And he really believed in that, and he had ran across this young lady at the, um, he, he worked as a, uh, as a trainer at a gym. And he ran across this young lady, young lady who was experiencing all kinds of, all, uh, all kinds of just uh, life uh, struggles, uh, lost her job. Um, she just wasn't, you know, wasn't herself anymore. I think she was living in a car at the time. And family had basically abandoned her or whatever, and we didn't, you know, have an understanding of why at that particular time. But long story short, she struggled with uh, a form of, of mental illness. Uh, so mm. after she lost her job, it kind of triggered that, and wow. she wasn't taking her meds, and so she was just just basically surviving. But looking at her, you wouldn't know that she was going through what she was going through. So she started coming to you know to the to the foundation. She started coming you know when I would minister or whatever, and just the love of God that God had anointed me with to just embrace her mm. was so life changing. She had a few wow. episodes in the midst of us taking that journey, and I can remember one in particular where the uh, the police was called because she, she just had an episode, and she had lost it, but she had gave them my number, and she told them that I was her, uh, th- that's my mother. So they thought that I was actually her biological mother, and so I explained to them right. that I wasn't and who I was or what have you, but they was like, she needs some help. Somebody's going to have to make some decisions. So she was hospitalized for a little while, and at that time, Doctors would call me, and I would tell them, well, I'm really not a relative, so I'm not sure. I know there are laws for that, so I, don't, I want to protect you, 
more so than me. I don't mind taking the calls, the questions, and making decisions, but I need you to know my relationship with her is not biological. And so I gave them um, a way to reach her biological family, and at that moment they were, I guess, just just over it, so to speak. You have so many episodes, you're not on your meds, and so families sometimes just get a little bit weary in trying to right. deal with these issues that you're having. So they basically told me, you make a decision, you do whatever you, you have to do, because our, you know, our assessment is that we need to commit her to long-term, uh, a long-term mental institution. And I just believed God that that is not what he had for her life. And so mm. I told them that with all due respect, but I'm not sending her to an institution for long-term. And so I told the doctor, well, when you release her, then I'll provide a place for her to stay. And we did that. And long story short, she is well. She is oh my a multiple six-figure earner in her, in, her, in, in her career. She just wow. recently married and just oh had a beautiful goodness. little girl. And oh, that is wonderful. She, yes, every day she reminds me of just where she was and that how just God had placed me in her life. And she did. She she had no idea that this would be her life uh, because mm. everybody mm. else had given up on her. And then I have another young lady who was relocating here and just had gone through all types of just bad relationships. Uh, you you name it, she had experienced it, child molestation and all of those things. And wow. to see her come and flourish in a city away from the little small town that we were in, and she is doing well. She had uh, in, enrolled in college, got oh, an associate degree, wonderful. have a great job now. Kids are doing well, and she is progressing. And that those are the stories that. Uh, you know, that, that keeps me doing what it is that I do, that any time that I feel like this is, you know, this is too much, I don't think I can continue to go on, I'm reminded of those that God has allowed my little bit, bit of light to shine on them and for him to do something magnificent in their lives. So no matter where you are, ladies, and no matter what your situation is, maybe it's mm. not domestic violence, maybe it's an issue with a family member, maybe it's mm. a career, no matter what it is, this is not your final destination. You mm. can come out of that. There is yes. somebody out there to help you, whether it's myself or someone in your local community. God has placed someone around you that's already in your circle to assist you from where you are to where you need to be. And we just have to be able to assess, access the help because it's mm. there. Excellent. Step outside of that, uh, you know, I grew up in a time where what – Goes on in the house, stays in the house. Well, that's not a philosophy that I raised my kids on because it didn't work for me. It didn't work for my parents or their parents, and I doubt right. it's working for anybody today. So true. Because if you're keeping a secret, secrets don't help you. Secrets hurt you. And I think that's where that's why we see so many cases of mental illnesses now. You know, the discussion is talked about every day. But it's been around. It's not anything new. It's just that we, 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 we brushed it under the rug. We didn't want to talk about mental illness, and we certainly didn't want to talk about domestic violence. Domestic violence has been around and been going on for years. I can remember as a little girl some of my neighbors, them fighting and arguing, and, you know, the husband is out cheating with the woman. They come home, they fight about it, and the next day it's like nothing ever happened. I remember those things. I had an incident wow. even in my in my own family 
that I realized that this was a generational curse and I had to be the one to break it because I had a cousin who experienced the same thing that I did. She was shot in the head and her husband committed suicide. She survived. So I had to realize, well, Lord, what is the difference between me and her? Because I don't want another one of my family members coming behind me having to experience this. And that's why I did the work on me that was necessary so that my daughters wouldn't have to deal with it, their daughters, my cousins who came along that were younger than me, that they didn't have to deal with that because somebody has to break the cycle. Wow, wow, wow. Absolutely. That's life-changing. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Thank you so much. So with all of that, with Haynes Healing Hearts and the the amazing life-changing work God is doing through your organization, through you, how do you balance it all? (laughs) Being a family woman, entrepreneur, minister, nonprofit executive, I could go through the whole alphabet, (laughs) and so much more. How do you find balance in all of that? when I when I remarried this time, and my husband has always been an entrepreneur, so I came into uh, an organization that he had already pretty much built. So, but because of my experience in corporate America, at you know at an executive level, it was easy for me to transition. But there was something there was something that he would he would talk about in his talks, and it was it, I can't remember how the slogan goes because that kind of stuff I don't really retain. But the meaning of it was. When you're doing what you love, even though it's work, it doesn't feel like work. So mm. what I'm doing is something that I love and something that I was created to do. I'm living life on purpose, so it doesn't feel like work. So wow. balancing those things out, when my daughters were young, of course, they're, they're grown now, 21 and 23. But when they were younger, there was a, a schedule that I had in place that I, in the morning times, you know, I was able to drop them off at school. So my work would consist of while they were at school. And then once they got out, there was a few hours for dinner, for any homework that needed to be done, any events that we needed to go to. And because I am a, uh, a night owl, sometimes <laughs> my, my, my sessions would start like at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. And so that wow. worked for me because I would, work, I would work like that. So I made it work so that I could do what I loved doing and I could also meet the needs of the people. So it, it just kind of worked. But when you're doing what it is that you love, it's not work to you. It's, it's, it's a calling. It really is. It gives you life because when I'm not doing it, I feel like I'm unproductive. So I had to learn my rhythm. I had to learn that when it's time for me to take a break and if things slow down, I take the rest because I'm going to need the rest for what's coming. So I've learned that mm, pattern, excellent. and I know exactly how it, how it flows. And everybody has a pattern. You just got to learn your pattern. Yes, I love that. Find your rhythm. And that's so key because everybody, everybody's rhythm may not look the same. So what balance looks like for Mrs. Haynes may be different from someone else. And I wrote a blog going into this new year, uh, an Emerge blog, and that is one of the words that I use, finding God's rhythm for your life. So it's so key that you share that. So don't compare, ladies, your rhythm to someone else's. But, you know, notice how she broke down what worked for her specific life, where she is, and what God created her to be. And that's what we're inspiring in you, you know, to use that as an example, to, to, you know, find your rhythm and don't be afraid to walk in, you know, what God has called you to do and created you to do. That's so powerful. 
so powerful. Amen. And so, yes. And so how can our listeners contact you and find you on social media? Do you have any upcoming events with your nonprofit or even uh, through your coaching practice, any, anything go- going on that we can uh, possibly participate in? Absolutely. www.hayeshealinghearts.org is the website. My social media outlets, which is I am Andrea Haynes on Instagram, and it's Andrea Haynes on Facebook. Normally, I'll post all the public things that I that I uh, uh, workshops or different things, and we're going to have a lot of those workshops, and we'll start monthly workshops through the organization, helping be a focusing this year on uh, living life and loving yourself. Uh, mm. So it's going to be a great year for the things that we have planned uh, this month. We're going to do a vision board uh, on loving you. And how awesome. I realize that that's something that we all struggle with, no matter what level of confidence we have. Yes. We have to keep that <laughs> at the forefront so that we can be healthy and whole. So I'm looking forward to doing that. There are some private things that we do that kind of caters to specific, uh, you know, according to the individual. And those things are we email out once you're on our email list because it's a private group because this is a private matter. It's not a public thing. And and that's what I really want um, the listeners to know is that we pride ourselves on uh, privacy. We mm, pride ourselves excellent. on, you know, attacking the situation with your integrity, your dignity, and your character in check. We would never do anything or speak anything that would, um, you know, that would be humiliating uh, to you or anything in that manner. So most of the things that we do behind the scenes sometimes never get seen publicly just because of the sensitivity of the situation that we're dealing with. So Beautiful. even with my coaching um, business and practice, most people feel like I may not have the, you know, the, the resources financially to be able to afford that. I'm, I'm not interested in what you can afford or what you can't afford. I'm interested in helping you become a better person and living your best life. So don't allow a fee or the possibility of a fee stop you from reaching out to us because we are really here to serve. So if you need the help or if it's something that we can help you walk through or give you a strategy on, please don't hesitate to contact us uh, through one of our outlets. And all of our information are on the website. They're on the social media thing. So it's not hard um, to find me at all. Wonderful. Oh, my goodness. Knock it out of the park you did. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) This is wonderful, wonderful. What an awesome episode. So thank you again for your time and for sharing. Uh, It has just been insightful, encouraging. I can't wait to get to my journal about loving myself. I'm going to even think on that even more. That was just such a powerful question amongst all other things that were shared. But to our listeners and to the Emerge Woman Magazine community, we just want to thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, continue to rise, shine, and emerge, woman. Have a great day.